couple of weeks ago we were looking at the uh, blessings of God and um, in, in Ephesians and realising that God wants to bless us. Isn't that wonderful? God wants to bless us. And one way to forget our day's troubles is to remember the day's blessings. I think that's a, a great um, motto, isn't it, to, to think about. And I want to give you a little bit of perspective. We all like perspective, don't we? If you own just one Bible, and I'm sure many here own more than one Bible, if you own just one Bible, you are abundantly blessed because... One third of the world does not have access to one. If you attend a church meeting, that's what we're doing this morning, without fear of harassment, arrest or torture of death, we don't face that, do we? You are more blessed than almost three billion people in the world. Wow. If you have food in your refrigerator, everyone have food in their refrigerator here? Yeah, clothes on your back, I can see everyone's dressed in their right mind, roof over your head, a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the people in the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, spare change, in a dish somewhere, in your car, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. I've said before, 92% of the world would love to have what you've got. Everyone can read that overhead? You're more blessed than over 2 billion people who can't read. What a blessing. That gives us a bit of perspective, doesn't it? Yep, yep. No, I've got to copy that one. <laughs> I've got, the, 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 there's quite a few more on here, so, but anyway, I'll, um, author unknown, so. Yep, that's fine. And so, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at um, the blessing of being chosen by God. Just, uh, and also, the blessing of adoption. And so to continue uh, this theme of blessing in the book of Ephesians, we're going to look at the blessing of redemption. And uh, Ephesians 1.7 is our verse. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Redemption, what does that mean? Liberation. Freedom, a ransom has been paid. In Paul's time, there were about six million slaves all through the Roman Empire. And they were bought and sold just like commodities. That was the way things were. And you know, we were slaves, weren't we, at one stage? Slaves to sin, slaves to Satan. But Jesus Christ ransomed us. He redeemed us Amen. from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. 
What do you think is your greatest need? For some people who are sick in their bodies, they would think their greatest need is to be healed. If you're unemployed, your greatest need is to have a job. If you're single, perhaps your greatest need is to find a mate. And while all these are very important needs, I would say that they, that they are not our greatest need. Our greatest need for every person, whether they realise it or not, is to be reconciled with the living God before they die and before they face his judgement. It's great to be healthy, it's great to have money in the bank, it's great to have a happy family. Nothing wrong with that. And they are God's blessings. But our greatest need is to be reconciled with the living God. And knowing and experiencing God's reconciliation is so important that the enemy of our souls, Satan, the devil, is trying his very best to unsettle us, to, conf to confuse us, to tell us we don't need to worry about what's going to happen. I don't know whether you, you've probably noticed in, um, in newspapers, in reading obituaries, in... I've been to quite a few funerals in my time. Uh, many people who haven't been followers of Jesus Christ, we hear the same story, don't we? They're going to heaven. They're in heaven now. See, the enemy sows that, those lies and deceits to, um, to confuse us, to take our um, attention away from what the truth is. Another ploy of the, of the enemy is to, is to invent a God that suits us. A God in our imagination. You know, God's, God's a God of love. He's, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't send me to hell. I'm, a, I'm basically a good person. I'm not as bad as uh, a lot of people in this world. So the enemy tries to get us to think along those lines and think, well, we're not such a bad person, so... Everything is going to work out. How could God possibly condemn a person like me? Satan sows confusion about God's forgiveness. There are many religions in the world that um, lay down laws as to what you have to do to earn salvation, whether it's pray five times a day, whether it's to... Fast, pray, do penance, do good works. Now, some of these things, there's nothing wrong with these. And for us as Christians, they are a reflection of our salvation. Some uh, religions, I heart back to my travels to India, get a lot of ascetics over there, Hindus who try to be holy, all their life. A lot of them wander around the country, some of them with no clothes on, begging. They think that that ascetic life, somehow, they're going to earn their way into heaven. <clears throat> I once asked a Muslim if he was sure of his eternal salvation. 
He said to me, no, he wasn't sure. He said, only my God, only Allah can decide that when I, when I pass on. And he will weigh up all my good deeds and not so good deeds. And after that, only he will decide whether I will go to heaven. I told him that followers of Jesus know for certain where they're going. They know for certain. <clears throat> and if our hope of heaven rests on anything except the Bible, we're not going to make it. That's what we believe. Jesus Christ is the only way. Speaking about redemption in the Old Testament context, God is seen as the one who redeemed Israel from bondage in Egypt, brought them out of slavery into the promised land. And that's a, a type or a picture of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. He did something for us that we couldn't do ourselves. Isn't that right? We were enslaved to sin. We were bound. We were caught up. And only Jesus Christ could free us. We were under Satan's rule in spiritual darkness. And I can understand why God instructed Jonah to go to Nineveh. Because in the very last verse of that book, God tells us why he wanted Jonah to go there. There were thousands upon thousands of people in utter spiritual darkness. Paul doesn't say, someday we hope to be redeemed. He doesn't say, well, we're, God's working on redemption. No, he says, we have redemption. We have redemption in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing that is. It's our current possession. And knowing that should fill us with joy and gratitude and, and thankfulness for all that is given to us. Psalm 49, verses 8 and 9 are, are quite um, interesting verses. <clears throat> it says, For a soul is far too precious to be ransomed by mere earthly wealth. There is not enough of it in all the earth to buy eternal life for just one soul. Just think, all the money in the world still cannot buy eternity, eternal life for one soul. Earthly money can can solve some earthly problems. And when we think of this uh, business of, of ransoming and redeeming. We know in Old Testament times people were redeemed. They had their debts paid for them and they were set free. Even today in certain countries um, there are organisations who pay the debts of slaves who are indentured. And if that debt's paid then they're free. So earthly wealth can solve some earthly problems but it can't prevent a person from dying when God says their time is up. doesn't matter how much money you have. 
We should remember that earthly wealth has no value in eternity unless, unless it's used to lay up treasure in heaven, which we should all be doing, laying up treasure in heaven. <clears throat> Here's a, a story to illustrate what I've been talking about. One night in a church service, God opened the heart of a young woman to respond to his call and believe on Christ as her Lord and Saviour. She had a very rough past. She'd been involved in alcohol, drugs, prostitution. But the change in her was evident as she experienced God's forgiveness. And over time, she became a faithful member of the church and taught in Sunday school. It wasn't long until she caught the eye and heart of the pastor's son. The relationship grew and they began making wedding plans. But when the problems began, but, but then problems began. Many in the church did not think that a woman with a past such as hers was suitable for a pastor's son. The church began to gossip and argue about this matter. So they decided to have a meeting. Emotions ran high. The young woman became very upset about all the things being brought up about her past. She began to cry. Her fiancé, the pastor's son, stood to speak and said, my fiancé's past is not what is on trial here. What you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today, you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. So does it wash away sin or not? The whole church began to weep as they realised what they were doing was not right. And it's true that the blood of Jesus does wash away sin, regardless of what your past is. And we are all guilty sinners. We all have a past saved by grace. And so that's a good story about how redemption, how Christ has redeemed us and, and um, that we are new creations, aren't we? New creations. The next blessing, the blessing of knowing God's will. Ephesians 1.9 He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. And if we're going to continue to please the Lord we have to bear that fruit that he's, he has for us to bear, the good work that he has for us. And it's necessary to be filled with the knowledge of Jesus Christ in order to fulfill all that he wants for us. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I think we've heard that before, haven't we? And it's true. He loves us and he does have a great plan for our life. What your idea of your plan is and what God's idea may be two different things. Maybe you think, well, yeah, I'd like a nice house in the suburbs. I'd like a, a great family, 
good job. Yeah, I'd like a nice church too where people are friendly and I can go to. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good life. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that that may not be God's plan for you. God's plan may involve living in a different part of the country or another country where living is not so easy. Where the government is not where the government is more corrupt maybe, where you don't have power on 24 hours a day, where you have to boil your water before you can drink it. God's plan for our lives and what we think could be two different things. And that's why we need to, we need to ask him, don't we? We need to seek him as to what he has for us. My friend in North India, CJ, and his family moved from South India to the North some years ago for missionary work. South India's a lot of Christians there, easier living. Um, He would have been around many friends, but they moved north because they wanted to, well, they felt that was God's call on their life. North India is often called the graveyard of missions. So many broken dreams and hardships that missionaries have experienced over the years. CJ and his family moved there. It's really like moving to another country. There's a whole different culture, different food, uh, different norms. He um, travels on his motorbike to many villages as part of um, his evangelism. And of course the villagers know that he's not one of them. What are you doing here? Who are you? You don't belong here. You're an outsider. But that's what he's done. God's blessed him. And, um, and that's been God's plan for his life. What's God's plan for your life? A lot of, um, I hear a lot of people say today, I don't know what God has for me. <clears throat> I really don't know what God has for me. Well, there's a big signpost in the Bible which will tell you part of his plan. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. Have you asked God, Lord, how do I do that? That's a, that's a valid prayer. Lord, that's what you've said I've got to do. Please show me how I can do that, how, what, what my part is in it. And we should all be praying that. And if we want our few years on earth to count for eternity, we really must bring our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Or we will live wasted lives. We really will. We don't want to live with regret. We don't want to get and stand before God and be bereft, be empty. And sometimes God may only give you one step, the first step. That's all, you know. Do this and I'll show you more. Sometimes we want the whole plan and we want to know the shortcuts, don't we? God doesn't usually work that way. I remember for me it was one step. I want you to do this first. And see, God wants to see... Or check our obedience. Are we going to be obedient to what 
he says, because if we're not going to be obedient to the first step, we're never going to be obedient to the many that come after. I think Paul's um, words are very apt. You know, one thing I do, forgetting the past and pressing on to the future, looking, looking to the future, what God has for me. And that's what I think we should all take that advice of Paul. Forget the past. So many get bound up with the past. Disappointments, broken dreams. Someone's done something against me. I'm offended. I'm, I'm a victim. I'm this, I'm that. You know, so many people live in the past and their past determines their future. That shouldn't be. We're new creations. Jesus has given us a new start. And he's given us wisdom. Wisdom and insight. God wants to give us wisdom and insight into what the future holds for us. But that's not automatic. We need to study the scriptures. We need to read. We need to, as the Bible says, seek wisdom as silver and search for her as hidden treasures in Proverbs 2.2. 2. We, we need to be treasure hunters. This Bible is full of treasure. And we've got to be treasure hunters. We grow in faith through reading, praying, studying the Bible, being obedient to God's commands, getting a God-shaped vision for our lives. And this is how we will know God's will. This is how we will know God's will. And we know the outcome of history is certain. We read the Bible, we read the, the last book, we know what's going to happen. We know that Jesus Christ is going to be supreme. Every knee is going to bow. And if we know that, surely our life in Jesus, our life in the Lord, is going to be fertile, it's going to be abundant, it's, it's going to have meaning. We'd be foolish to do anything else. The next blessing. The blessing of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1.17 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let's never be people who think we've got it all worked out. We know it all. We've got God in our box. We know exactly how it's all going to work. Let's not be like that. Don't limit God. Ask God daily to make you more aware, to give you wisdom and understanding. <clears throat> w. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Paul says, he's saying, because God has given us such wealth of spiritual blessings, Paul says, I pray that he would grant you a deeper knowledge of him. And that should be our pursuit, a knowledge and understanding of the Most High God. Now, in this life, that will be inexhaustible. 
but there's treasure to mine. There's more to know. Um, and the more we know, the more we understand who this wonderful God is. And we should apply Paul's prayer. Lord, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you. How often do we pray that? Lord, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you. That should be a prayer that we pray every day. It's often been said that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. You know, it's easy to have an exciting relationship when you first fall in love. Can you remember back when perhaps you first fell in love? Some of you would have to go back a few years. <laughs> but that doesn't matter, does it? It's exciting. Now, coming into marriage and, and, the, and the years of marriage is something that you have to work at to... to uh, <laughs> some more than others. Some more than others. <laughs> and it's true, when we first come to Christ, it's exciting. But, as we know, some lose their first love. We know that the Ephesian church lost its first love. And so, in the course, Jesus encouraged them to get it back. You know, don't, don't stay there. Get it back. And so, it is easy to lose that love of the Lord. That's why we need to stay engaged. We need to continue to cultivate that relationship. As I mentioned before, reading, praying, studying, meditating, thinking about God. Asking God for wisdom and understanding about him. Are you growing to know God personally as the Holy Spirit reveals him to you through the word? Is spending time a priority? David Lloyd-Jones says, Knowing God is your supreme need. It's our supreme need to know God. The quest of your life should be to know him more and more. Andrew Murray says, there is a direct connection between the degree to which you succeed in life and the time you spend meditating on God's word. There's a direct correlation. Do you want to be successful in life? I think everyone here would want to. Take time to meditate on God's word. Your survival, strength and success depend upon it. Can't be emphasised enough. Another blessing, the blessing of hope and eternal inheritance. Ephesians 1.18, you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his saints. You know, today the world is full of hopelessness and helplessness, isn't it? We read the papers, we watch the news, and there's so much of it about but God wants to give hope to his followers. Hope in this life and the next is something that 
so many people would, would want. But we have it. We have it in Jesus Christ. It doesn't compare to a worldly inheritance. We know some people have inherited obscene amounts of money. But that doesn't compare to our eternal inheritance. As we read before, the world's wealth cannot even ransom one soul. Not enough. All the money in the world can't buy one soul for eternity. And so as Christians, we should be filled with hope because that's what God has called us to. Our faith didn't originate in us. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. Without God coming after us, we would never have found him. What a wonderful blessing that is. Next blessing, the blessing of knowing the power of God, Ephesians 1.19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. But we have to believe. Do you believe this morning? Are you a believer this morning? God wants us to know his power that enables us to know his power that enables us to persevere through trials. Power to overcome temptation. Power to serve him faithfully. Power for everything that we're called to do. Whatever the will of God is for us that we're called to do, he will give us his power to do that. Know his power to keep us to the end. So if you're having problems in your Christian life, if things don't seem to be working as they should, perhaps it's time to go back to the owner's manual. All the wisdom and knowledge of God is in here. But you know what we do with owner's manuals so often? We put them aside, don't we? It's a last resort. If things don't work, oh, well, I better go back and read the instructions. But for us, it should be the first resort, shouldn't it? But we can't understand it by human, normal human wisdom. We need God's wisdom. Every time we open the Bible, we should say, Lord, please give me understanding. Reveal yourself to me. Help me to know you in a greater way. You know, nothing but the living God can give us these blessings. Buddhism can't. Islam can't. Hinduism can't. Communism can't. Secularism. Humanism. Any other ism can't. <laughs> it's only the living God can give us these blessings that we've looked at. <clears throat> Who's heard of Hetty Green? I didn't think so. I didn't, I didn't know about her until recently. She died in 1916 in America. She was an American businesswoman known as the richest woman in America back in her day. The Guinness Book of World Records even named her the greatest miser. Sounds like Scrooge McDuck, doesn't it? Stories were often cited, including her refusal to buy expensive clothes, to pay for hot water, 
and a habit of wearing a single dress that was only replaced when it was worn out. Ladies, if you want to save some money, <laughs> what's the, the cost of living, I think, is an issue today. Estimates of her net wealth ranged from 100 to 200 million in, in her day. So that would be equivalent to about three to six billion dollars today. Making her arguably the richest woman in the world at the time. Rumours claimed that she ate only oatmeal, eggs and onions, unheated, so as to not increase her fuel bill. She lived like a pauper, really, didn't she? And yet she had great wealth. Let us not live like paupers as part of God's family because we have great wealth. And uh, those blessings that we've looked at are an indication of part of that great wealth, that inheritance that we have. Just in closing, um, I found a good uh, word for today was... Saturday the 29th of July, which I thought encapsulates something of what we've been talking about. You're one in seven billion. So you're not one in a million. You're one in seven billion. There's seven billion people on the planet. Nobody else has, <coughs> has your voice pattern, fingerprints or DNA. When you were born, God didn't stop and say, well, what are we going to do with this one? No, he didn't say that. (laughs) As followers of Jesus, you were given your father's name. You were bought with a price. You were made a member of his redeemed family. Your steps are ordered by him. He has already planned your success. Isn't that great to know? We've got to know. We've got to know what God's called us to. He loved you when you were unlovable and chose you before you could do either right or wrong. Doesn't that give him the right to say, I want your praise and obedience. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to read the letters that I've written to you. And I don't want anybody or anything to come between us. The word for today is, you belong to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings. And Lord, we do pray for a greater revelation of the riches we have in you. Lord, as Paul Paul said in Ephesians 1.3, praise be to you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Thank you, Lord, that we've been chosen by you, adopted into your family, redeemed we have hope we have an eternal inheritance you have planned our success you have given us the power of your holy spirit continue lord to give us your wisdom and understanding and lord help us to be disciplined in taking the time to cultivate that relationship that we we so desperately need with you and we thank you again in jesus name amen Amen.